If you would, remain standing for the reading of God's holy word. Turn with me to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, if you're using a pew Bible, you can find that on page 949. Romans chapter 15, I will begin reading in verse 17 for context. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Elikram, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Praise God for his holy word. Please be seated. So as a church, little over a year, I believe, I have lost count, we have been been studying Paul's words to the church in Rome, verse by verse. And before we come to the close of this magnificent letter, Next week, by God's grace, I believe it is of the highest value that you and I think upon God's gospel and our life. The Apostle Paul opened the words to this letter with Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. That all who have been justified by God, are his children. And this means, by God's grace, you have repented of your sins and you have trusted in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation. So you are his child, but you are also his slave. He is your master, and your life is to be lived doing his will. We had two children this morning say that they have repented of their sins and they have trusted in Christ alone. The word repentance, that's a change of mind as well as a change of heart. But it's more than just intellectual agreement. It includes a hatred and a sorrow for sin and a life set on pleasing him. Repentance is not to be a one-time event in the past. Repentance is to be something that is a daily reality of coming before the Lord and confessing your sins before a holy and just God. We agree with who God is. Holy, righteous, just, good, gracious, merciful. But we also agree with the truth of what He must do. That God cannot overlook sin. He must punish sin. All of us, we were conceived in sin, born separated from God, born wicked, evil, wretched sinners who hated God. We were never born neutral. He being our holy creator. But we were born spiritually dead in need of Him. Salvation also includes believing, trusting having faith in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation. You hear the word alone a lot here. And there's a reason for that. It's not Jesus plus something else equals salvation. It's Jesus plus nothing. It's Christ alone that we are saved. That is before the Lord, you and I are coming before him declaring that we cannot save ourselves. Our works are as filthy rags. Our good will never outweigh our bad We are not good. Our hope, our confidence is in Christ and Christ alone for who He is and for what He has done, what He is doing. The longer we live this life, the more we see and we learn about this world. I don't know about you, but the longer I'm here, the longer I want to be home. But for us as God's children, Our pursuit should be continual in the fact that we want to know the Lord and we want to please the Lord. 
to know God and his gospel and live a righteous life before him. This is our focus today. The longer that we live as God's children, we don't see less sin. The longer we live as God's children, we see more sin. We see more sin in our life. That is sanctification of the Lord. That he graciously doesn't unload everything at once. This is where you say amen. Like, he does it over a period of time. That he shows us more and more and more and more. That we're reminded that we are not professional Christians. That we are sinners saved by God's grace in need of his grace and wisdom and understanding conformity into the image of Christ every day. God works in his children, but his children need to also grab tightly onto the gospel and his breathed out words so that we live righteous lives. Not as justification, but in our sanctification in pleasing him. The Apostle Paul, he wrote this letter to believers in Rome, those whom he had never met, hoping to come to them, but He had been prevented because he was making the gospel known where he was. That's a great reason to be prevented from going somewhere. He's making the gospel known. May this echo in our minds and hearts this morning. We need to be making known the gospel where we are before we get home. That the good news of Jesus Christ consumed Paul. Knowing God, living for Him, that was his calendar. That Paul was God's chosen instrument to carry the gospel to the Gentiles. He was chosen to know Christ, advance Christ, and suffer for Christ. If you are a believer this morning, this is also your calling. Now, I am not saying that you are chosen to take the gospel to the unreached. But I am saying that all Christians should be involved in sharing the gospel and advancing the kingdom of God to the nations. Every single Christian. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 7. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives a growth. All are called to water. But some of us are called to plant like Paul did. One of my favorite missionaries, Paul Washer, he said, as Christians, we are called to either go down into the mine or we're called to hold the rope for those who go down. You've been called into the family of God and within the family of God, you're called to support other brothers and sisters in Christ so that the gospel will advance because he has given us the great commission. Souls need to go and plant the gospel where it has never been heard. And all souls need to water where it has been planted. The gospel of God is to ultimately be our life as his people. Think about your privileges this morning. They are many. Not just that we're gathering in this beautiful building. Not that we have air conditioning. You're privileged to know the one true living God who is reigning right now. Therefore, you need to know who he is according to his holy word and not the opinions of men. You are privileged to be set apart from the rest of the world to talk of the good news of Christ with other believers as well as talk about the good news of Christ with those who yet don't believe. You've been given the honor to suffer for the name of Christ and it is an honor for a short time in this life before entering glory. 2 Timothy 3.12 Our lives here are not very long. 1 John 2.17 says, And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Our life is to be consumed with God's will. And if we're honest with ourselves this morning, we all come with baggage in rooms and corners and shadows in our life in which it is not consumed with God's will. This means we as God's children, we must know what God has said. We find God's will in God's word. That's where we go. James 4, 13 and 14 
Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. The Apostle Paul answered the question of what his life was to the church in Philippi. He said, if I am to live, that it means fruitful labor for me. If I am to live, to live is Christ. To die, to die is gain. That means I'll be with the Lord. But as long as I'm here, as long as I'm on this earth, as long as the Lord has given me another hour, another day to live, I am to live for the Lord. Our short life is to be lived for the Lord. I remember very vividly as a youth, I saw a man bring a long rope up onto a stage, and that rope was about 150 feet long. And with it, he brought a roll of duct tape. If you're a man and a woman, you love duct tape. So he had a rope that was 150 feet long, and he got duct tape out, and he wrapped up about one foot of that rope with duct tape. He said the majority of those in this world, in the church, as well as those outside the church, they live their lives thinking about and living for just one foot. And that's it. They spend their time, their energy, their work, their effort, their finances for what will not last. Jim Elliott was a missionary who died in Ecuador, reaching the unreached. He said this, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jim did not learn this and make this up. He learned this from the Lord. He learned this from brothers and sisters in Christ who had come before him, whom he saw lived as an offering unto the Lord. But the letter of Paul to those in Rome, it confronts the self-absorbed, self-pleasing me life. That our life is so short when compared to all of eternity. If one foot is just about when we were born and then when we die, and the rest, the 149 feet of that rope, is about eternity, we need to be thinking about where we're going to spend eternity. Not just for us, but we need to be thinking about eternity for everybody else. To know God and His gospel and live a righteous life before Him. The truth that we will spend forever in heaven with God or forever in hell under His wrath and anger, that is an absolute. Believers will be with Christ. No more sin, no more death, no more suffering, no more tears. Christ is our light. Unbelievers, they will experience what the Bible describes as darkness, weeping, isolation, the lake of fire, the gnashing of teeth, the fullness of God's divine wrath, and the separation of God's blessings. So our short life as God's children needs to be filled with knowing Him and serving Him. I mean, think of the life of Christ. He lived not to do His will, but the will of His Father. Paul lived a life of fruitful labor unto the Lord. We are to live a righteous life before him. Coram Deo, we live before the face of God. Romans 15, verse 17. In Christ Jesus, in, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. Paul is not being prideful here. Paul is overly excited for what the Lord has done through him. He said, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Lycrum, that's 200 miles by walking, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. Now I want you to think about ambition this morning. What were you ambitious about the last seven days? 
What were you excited about? What were you living for? What were you hoping for? What were you looking forward to? It was like, oh, I can't wait till I get this. Was it the gospel? It says, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Paul said this after he did Romans chapters 1 through 11 that focus on correct beliefs. And then in chapter 12 through 16, they are implications of those beliefs. The so what, the proof of the pudding. I believe Jesus would call chapters 12 through 16, the fruit that springs forth from my children because I have justified them and I am sanctifying them. Like chapters 12 through 16 should not be unusual to find among God's people. It should be the norm. In this letter, the Apostle Paul, he spoke of faith 35 times, justification and belief 26 times, sin 55 times, and righteousness 28 times. If we are to live a transformed life for the glory of God with our short life that we have, we need a renewed mind, Romans 12, 1 and 2. A mind that spends time in God's word, being told over and over and over again of the good news that saves sinners. So let me discuss five implications this morning that I find from Romans. Implication number one. God's children need to know God's gospel. God's children need to know God's gospel. Why am I repeating the word God when I get to gospel? Because there is so much talk and so much said of what is the gospel, but you don't find it in the Bible. We need to know what God's gospel is. It's not man's gospel. It's not our gospel to form and fashion what we want it. God's children need to know God's gospel. Paul wasn't always saved. He was once persecuting the church. On the road to Damascus, he encountered Jesus Christ. He was saved and he was set apart to take the gospel to the Gentiles. He had all the intellect. He had all the knowledge. Even from childhood, he was privileged above everyone else. A Jew of Jews from the tribe of Benjamin. He, he literally sat at the feet of the wisest men on the earth. And from that point on, the Lord used him not to persecute Christians, the Lord used him to take the gospel to the Gentiles. As Paul wrote to the believers in Rome, he focused upon faith, justification, belief, sin, and righteousness. His focus was the good news of Jesus Christ that we need to know the gospel. As a church this year, we are memorizing 1 Corinthians 15. If you're a member here, this is your reminder if you're a visitor here, you are way more and welcome to join us. But I would ask that you turn with me there now. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. A little bit of context for this. The church at Corinth was extremely struggling at this time. They were gathering together, taking of the Lord's Supper, getting drunk. Poor people were not able to eat enough. Um, you even had people in the church that were sleeping around with other people and they didn't do anything about it. Paul was confronting sin after sin in their life, but he still called them the church. And when he got to chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, he reminded them of something that we all need to know. Healthy church, unhealthy church, healthy Christian, unhealthy Christian. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word of God that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. He was buried, he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some had fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. That's Paul. 
Paul said, I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was in me, whether then it was I or they, and so we preach, and so you believe. This is the gospel that you and I need to know. We need to know what Christ has done. And sadly, this is not the gospel that is preached. In 1 Corinthians, Paul's summary of what is of first importance, you find this. Sin, the death of Christ, the burial of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the grace of God, and the preaching of the gospel. In Romans, you find sin, God's wrath, judgment, repentance, confession, belief, Death in Adam, life in Christ, Christ our righteousness, life in the Spirit, future glory, Jew and Gentile, God's sovereign choice, and His children being a living sacrifice. We need to know God's gospel. It is of first importance. Without it, one is not saved, for it is the good news of Jesus. And within this implication, the gospel was delivered to us. Something that has been delivered to us is not something that we change. We live in a culture that doesn't like to hear about sin and hell. God is our creator. He has given us the gospel. We don't change what he has entrusted to us. Eleven times in the New Testament, including Romans, you find the word entrusted. Christians have been entrusted with the gospel. The gospel has been committed to the trust of God's children, God's church. As Paul was nearing his death, he wrote to his spiritual son, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 1, verse 14, and he said, By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. That God's children have received the gospel and they are entrusted with the gospel. We are to guard it. That means we protect it. We keep watch over it and we make sure it's safe as the Lord's church. That means we must know it. It should be something that we're so quick to speak about because it's on our heart. As the Puritan said, did I greet you in prayer? Did I greet you thinking about the gospel? Did I approach you because you were talking to the Lord, thinking about the Lord, reflecting on what he has done for you. This means we must know the gospel. Implication two. God's children need to be able to articulate the gospel. God's children need to be able to articulate the gospel. One of the things I love in scripture, you don't find different classes of disciples. If you have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, you are called into the family of God. Whether you're a preacher, whether you're a deacon, whether you're a layman, whether you are whatever, you're on the same plane as everybody else. You've been entrusted with the gospel, and that means you need to be able to articulate the gospel. God's gospel, it is good news that is to be shared, talked about, proclaimed, and preached. I often go to the scene of Christmas time. I still remember at Christmas, I was an only child, and so the living room was just me and my mom and dad, and we, we would walk in, and I would get so excited, I would, I would wake them up, and we would go underneath the tree, and we would rip through the gifts, and then I, I would turn, and there would be no one for me to talk about what I got, because mom and dad already know what I had underneath the tree. So as soon as... I saw friends down the street. I informed them of the good news of the things that I got. As a Christian, if the gospel is truly good news to us, that means we'll speak about it. We speak about what is good. That means we need to be able to articulate the gospel. Eight times in Romans, Paul speaks of preaching or proclaiming the gospel Look with me at Romans 10, beginning in verse 9. Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 9. Maybe you memorized 
these verses in Romans Road. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. With the heart, one believes and is justified. With the mouth, one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are a sin? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. On Thursday, I went to Tarrant County College with three other men. We prayed. We walked around. We entered into conversations with people. And lo and behold, in Tarrant County, there are people who have never heard the gospel. I asked the question, have you ever heard what Jesus Christ came to do? I've never heard Jesus was the answer. We need to be able to articulate the gospel. How will others call on Christ? How will others believe in Christ? How will others hear of Christ? The gospel needs to be preached, proclaimed, taught, spoken of. The gospel of God was given to the Apostle Paul. He was the Lord's vessel in proclaiming it to the Gentiles. But what about us? Do not forget that the Lord has given his gospel to his church. And like Paul, the Lord has commissioned us to go and to share it. We must be able to articulate the gospel. I'm astounded that we've even gotten to the point within church that we are okay with the gospel not even being talked about in the home. That when sin entered the world, God promised restoration. That God gave prophets who shared the gospel. Jesus came and preached the gospel. He said, repent and believe. Jesus trained the disciples. He sent them out. And he said, go out and share and come back and tell me. We need to be able to articulate the gospel because when Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, go forth and make disciples of all the nations. We need to be able to articulate the gospel. We need to get to the point of saying, Jesus came from heaven to earth. That God the Son, he put on flesh. He lived among us. That he walked this earth. He lived a perfect and sinless life. He never messed up one time. He claimed to be God. He proved himself to be God. They could find no fault in him. He, he preached to repent and believe. And what did they do? They bound him. They hit him. They spit on him. They grabbed a crowd of thorns and they crushed it on his head. They nailed him to the cross, and yet we find in Scripture in the Old Testament that Jesus, this was the way that he was supposed to do it. That he came and he fulfilled ministry. He laid down his life freely for his children. He died. The third, on the third day, he rose from the dead. He appeared to many and before he ascended into heaven, he said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He ascended into the heaven. And we also find in Scripture that Christ is coming back, not the way he came the first time, but he's coming back to judge. That one day... Every soul will stand before the Lord and every soul will give an account. And one day all who do not believe, they will know 
Because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is the gospel that we need to have on our heart. This is the gospel we need to have in our mind. This is the gospel that we must be able to articulate. Implication three. God's children should desire lost souls to be saved. God's children should desire lost souls to be saved. Going back to Romans 15, verse 20, Paul says, And thus I make my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named. With these words, Paul was quoting Isaiah 52, verse 15. For that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. This ambition of the Apostle Paul, his desire, his hard work in making Christ known, that is for every believer. I have told my daughter, and I have told my son, I have told my family, We are not our own. We have been bought with a price. We are to glorify God with our body. The word body there is to mean that I I am belonging completely to Christ and everything is to be lived unto the Lord. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. If we're going to glorify God, we better know the commands of God. Charles Spurgeon, he's one of my faves. He said, Have you no wish for others to be saved? Then you're not saved yourself. Be sure of that. God has entrusted his gospel to his children. If we don't desire others to be in Christ, if we don't desire to share what we say is the good news that we believe, we have some serious questions to answer concerning our own salvation. When a life is not lived concerned about the things of God, the word of God, the commands of God, his will. When our life is not about hating sin and abiding in the word of God. What fruit is there that you are actually born again? Those who talk about wanting to be in heaven but don't want to live like they're in heaven now. There is major problems. Am I living to please God? That's a great question. Are my desires lining up with God's will and the commands of God? God's children should desire lost souls to be saved. That means you need to know the gospel and you need to be able to articulate the gospel. I still remember at the age of 15... I had been saved since 11, and I loved hanging out with older people, but they were more mature. And so my youth pastor invited me, and I would go on him with weekly visits to go visit people in the church, to go and visit those who were homebound. And I kept that up all the way through high school. And then when I got to college, I started doing door-to-door evangelism, and I was confronted with so many different things. And even now, I'm being confronted with so many different things of what people believe when I'm going out weekly to share the gospel with people. God has entrusted the gospel to me. If I just get behind this pulpit and preach, but I don't speak of Christ to others throughout the week, I am disqualified. As a Christian, we should be filled with the knowledge of who God is, and we should be excited to speak of the good news of what he has done. We have been entrusted with the gospel. Implication for God's children have been commanded by God to share the gospel. Don't take my word for it. God's children have been commanded by God to share the gospel. We should want the lost to be found, and we should desire to be used by God in the sharing of the gospel. I mean, before we even pray as we are praying to go share the gospel at TCC or wherever we are. One of us in the group, we're praying for the salvation of souls. We want to be used by God for people to be saved. We need to be able to articulate the gospel and we need to be able to share it. If you're thinking, yeah, but I get nervous. My spiritual gift is not evangelism. I get nervous. My spiritual gift is not evangelism either. 
In fact, even if your spiritual gift is evangelism, let me just tell you right now, you're nervous every time you share the gospel. Ray Comfort is a 71-year-old man who rides his bicycle around in California, shares the gospel every day, and every day he's nervous. We don't see in Scripture the early church. We don't see in church history God's children waiting for the world to ask them about Jesus. We see the church going and sharing. There is a great need for the gospel to be heard. They just don't know it yet. We need to go and we need to share. I've already read this earlier today, but Matthew 28. Eleven disciples went to Galilee. The context, Christ has risen from the dead and he is about to ascend into heaven to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. And there's three words here we often forget, but some doubted. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Let us remember as God's children who has all authority. That Christ has all authority. We don't determine how we are to live our life. God has told us how we are to live. All authority in heaven has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. The word go there means as you are going. Not if you go, but as you are going, go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. So all Christians have been commissioned by God to go and share the gospel. That means evangelism and missions is commanded by God. That is my platform that I stand on. God has told me to go. If someone asks, why are you here? Say, my God has told me to share the good news. Here it is. Hudson Taylor said, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. Therefore, if we're not obeying this command, we have some time alone with the Lord in which we need to come before Him and ask for the forgiveness of our sins. Charles Spurgeon, like I said, he's my fave. If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. If they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees. Employ them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. When Spurgeon became a pastor at an extremely young age, a major, major pandemic hit, not like ours, major a major pandemic hit. There were thousands dying every day in a small span of where he lived. And what he did is he set up tent after tent after tent after tent. People were going and they were separated who were sick and people refused to go out. And he said, not me. He said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get my church and we're going to spread out our church and our church is going to go where nobody else wants to go and our church is going to preach the gospel and many got saved. If the way to hell is wide, that's the path of the majority. And the way to heaven is narrow and few find it. Let us as God's children fill our minds with the gospel, pray for those who are lost, and share the good news that saves. So often as a church, we gather together and we pray for physical needs. That, that, that is great. We need to be praying for physical needs. But so often our prayers are so consumed with keeping people out of heaven that we don't pray for people to enter. Oswald Smith said, Any church that is not seriously involved in helping fulfill the Great Commission has forfeited its biblical right to exist. We talk of the second coming. Half the world has never heard of the first. The Bible Belt is full of people who have never, ever heard the gospel. God has graciously been sending people here. I cannot remember the exact last words, but every day, I believe, it's over 200 people move to Tarrant County. Every day. We can't keep track with who's all moving here. And people are moving here all over from the world. We're in Euless. This is the most diverse zip code in the United States. We have Trinity High School right there. 
77 known spoken languages. The Bible Belt is full of people who have never heard of Jesus and they don't believe the Bible. All the world has not heard. All your neighbors have not heard. There are souls in Euless, Norwichland Hills, Bedford, Southlake, Hearst, who have never heard the gospel. And what is even more scary, we have many who believe themselves to be saved because we're in the Bible Belt and apparently everyone is saved, that they are actually thinking, I'm saved and good to go, and they're not. So that means we need to hear their salvation story. We need to be able to confidently say, are you okay if I tell you what the Bible has to say about salvation? David Bacon said, essentially the church has many responsibilities, but only one mission. And that is the evangelization and discipling of all nations. We need to know the gospel. We need to articulate the gospel. We've been commanded by God to share the gospel. In implication five, God's children need to abide in God's word to know his will and please him. God's children need to abide in God's word to know his will to please him. You don't know the will of God if you don't know the word of God. It's that simple. In chapter 15 of Romans, Paul's ambition is making the gospel known for the glory of God. If we are to please the Lord, we must go to him and commune with him. That's why Paul Washer also said, if you call yourself a Christian, great. Number one, you hate sin. Number two, you have a new relationship with this. He says, you love the Bible. Imagine being adopted by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Father, and saying, you know, I really don't want to spend time with you, Father. I think, I think I'll be okay. Or in evangelism conversations that I enter into most of the time, most of the people, they respond this way. You know, I think I'm a good person. When I get there, I'll just talk to the Lord and he'll let me in. That's the number one response I get. No one's good. And no, you won't talk. He'll come before the Lord and he'll judge you. Those who are his, they will enter. Those who are not, they won't. This gospel is to consume us. It's not enough to say, I'm a Christian. We need to go to church. We need to sit under the preached word of God. We need to know the word of God. We need to make sure the pastors are preaching the word of God. We need to spend time in prayer. We should be spending time in confession throughout the week, repenting of our sins. We need to be talking about the word of God so much that it overflows from our house to our streets. And it overflows from the streets to our work. Like the gospel is is meant to be shared. It's not good news that we hold on to and say, Lord, thank you for saving me. It's good news that you hold on to and you say, Lord, use me and save other people as I share it. If we are to please the Lord, we must go to him and commune with him. John 8, 31 and 32, to my favorite words in the gospel of John, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The, the word abide, if you don't know that, the word abide means to stay, to camp out. If you remain in, if you camp out, if you meditate in, if you rest in the word of God, who he is, what Christ has done, because scripture is about the Lord, knowing his promises, knowing his commands, and respond with obedience, you're my child. We are to know God's word and we are to live righteous lives. We need biblical doctrine and we need righteous living. Our life is to be fruitful labor unto the Lord. So I ask you, do you really know the good news of Jesus Christ? If you're confronted saying, I don't know it that well, great. If the Lord has given you life today, start working on knowing it today. Like, go home, start, get out note cards, whatever you need, a sheet of paper, write it out, but start knowing the gospel yourself. Number two, 
can you clearly articulate the gospel? Church members, here's a warning. On, on Wednesday, we've been studying evangelism and apologetics week after week. This Wednesday, you know what we're doing? We're going to gather together and pray, and then you're going to break apart, and you're going to share the gospel with one another in the room. That's what we're going to do. Like We should practice sharing the gospel with one another before we go out to help one another, to encourage one another, to be reminded of certain aspects of the gospel. Question three, do you really desire lost souls to be saved? If you desire it, that means you also be praying about it. If you're praying about it, that means you're going to do the work to know the gospel and to work at articulating the gospel. As God, God has commanded you to share the gospel, the question is, will you obey? And I've heard all the excuses because I've given all the excuses to myself. I'm too busy. I have three children. I'm too busy. My work is very demanding. I just, I just don't have the time to like talk to people about Jesus. You know, the beautiful thing is, as God's child, I am so thankful that God has never said that to me. God says, pray without ceasing. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. When? All the time. Will you take the gospel to others? People need to know it. And here's a question I think sometimes we don't ask. Is God calling you to take the gospel to the unreached? Either short-term or long-term. Do you have in your bones that fire that says, I want to preach the gospel where the foundation has not been laid? Are you praying for those whom are lost? Start with your own household. Are you praying for the salvation of your children? Both my wife and I, we were able to to write down and think about that this past week of saying, Lord, you have saved our son and our daughter. You have answered prayer. Like, you have done this. Praise God. Are you praying for those whom you know are lost? Are you praying for those who serve as missionaries? You should know at least one missionary that you're praying for weekly. At least. Jesus prayed. Paul prayed. Jesus told us to pray for more workers of the harvest because the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. We should be praying for more workers. We should be praying for those who are already working. And we should be praying, Lord, if it's your will, I'll go wherever and do whatever you want me to do to reach the world for Christ. Are you helping support those who go? I'm not asking about supporting a nice, big, comfortable building. I'm asking, are you helping support those that go and share the gospel? Because every church on this world, it will one day be gone. The church in Corinth, it's gone. Church in Rome, gone. Churches die. The kingdom of God stands forever. Are you helping support those that go so that they can proclaim the gospel and work in proclaiming the gospel day after day with those who have never heard? John Calvin said, the gospel is not a doctrine of the tongue, but of life. For some of us, that's what needs to happen in our life. We need to move the doctrine of the gospel from our tongue and make the doctrine of the gospel our life. He went on to say, it cannot be grasped by reason and memory only, but is fully understood when it possesses the whole soul and penetrates to the inner recesses of the heart. It means the gospel is to be everything. This is our calling as children. So how will others call on Christ? How will others believe in Jesus Christ? How will others hear of Jesus Christ? The church needs to be the church and share the good news of Jesus. So let us be the church. Let the gospel be first priority for us. Let us know the gospel like the back of our hand, ready to talk about it, ready to speak about it. And please, if you're thinking, yeah, but we don't need to be talking about Jesus all the time, why? Like, why would we not want to talk about Jesus all the time? Christ is really the only thing that we have. 
The church needs to be about preaching the gospel. Let us be the church. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy word. Thank you for giving us a book in the Bible which focuses on 11 chapters on getting the right beliefs. And then in chapter 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16, focusing on implications of that. Thank you for saving us by your Son. Thank you for giving us the gospel to go out and proclaim the good news. Thank you for the promise that you have given that you will grow your church. That your church will not be snatched from your hand. Thank you for the great reminder that we were sinners separated from you. But the words, but God. God demonstrated his own love for us and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, forgive us of our sins when we haven't loved you, we haven't cherished you, we haven't been consumed with the good news of Christ, we haven't spoken of the good news of Christ, when we have gone through Christmases and Easter's and not even thought about you because we're so concerned about the here and the now. Father, in that one foot of rope, help us to think about eternity. Help us to think about your future coming. You're going to rescue your children, but you are also going to judge the world. Help our minds, consume our minds and our hearts with the gospel. Give us wisdom to best articulate the gospel with great compassion and love for the person that we're speaking to. Lord, help us to be the church. As Calvin said, Lord, help us to move the gospel from the gospel of the tongue to the gospel of our life. For your name, Lord, and for your glory. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.